Well, hello there, Dr. Nicole here. I am thrilled to share something incredible with you today. Imagine having a treasure trove of informative, entertaining, and empowering video content about the journey to parenthood right at your fingertips. That's exactly what you get with Informed Pregnancy Plus. For less than 25 cents a day, you'll gain access to a vast subscription library filled with documentary films, web series, mind and body fitness programs, workshops, and courses covering fertility to parenting and everything in between. A few of my favorite titles are The Business of Being Born, Empowered Mama, Belly Dance for Birth, Ease into Sleep, The Afterbirth Plan, and The Core Connection. And here's the best part. For a limited time, you can gain full access absolutely free. Just visit informedpregnancy.tv to sign up. Get Informed Pregnancy Plus right now for your informed and empowered parenting journey, all from the comfort of your home. Visit informedpregnancy.tv. Again, that's informedpregnancy.tv. Back in the day when my girls were born, it was not easy to share photos and videos with loved ones, but you have a fantastic option available, the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created in 2015 and has operated in the long term to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes. Now, let me share some of the great features that make the Family Album app a go-to app. First off, the app automatically sorts photos and videos by month, allowing you to swipe back in time and see how your child has grown. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching through folders. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. It's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document each month of your baby's life. Plus, the Family Album app has unlimited storage and it is totally free. Yes, you heard that right. No more worrying about running out of space or being bombarded by ads when you're just trying to relive those heartwarming moments. So if you are still trying to use other messaging apps for your kids' photos, it is time to level up your family photo game with a free photo sharing app. Head over to the App Store today, search Family Album, it's all one word, download the app and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. In this birth story episode, we have a happy vaginal birth, but with some baby blues postpartum. Welcome to the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins, a board-certified OBGYN physician, certified integrative health coach, and creator of the Birth Preparation Course, an online childbirth education class that will leave you feeling knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Quick note, this podcast is for educational purposes only, and it's not a substitute for medical advice. See the full disclaimer at ncrcoaching.com forward slash disclaimer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thank you for being here with me today. 
So we have a birth story episode today, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a bit, you know that these are some of my favorite episodes. I just love getting a detailed glimpse into women's experiences giving birth. I feel like I I learn a lot from it. So this week I'm talking to Jordan Borzakowski about her birth experience. Jordan is a proud wife to Josh, mommy to baby Jax, and a dog mom to Colt and Kimber. She's also a pediatric dental assistant who happens to have a sweet tooth. Now, I really enjoyed talking to Jordan. I love her voice and her Midwest accent, so I just love going back and hearing it. Now, you definitely want to stay until the end of this episode. You have to hear her experience with baby blues postpartum. It is a very typical classic description of what happens with baby blues. So you definitely want to tune in to listen to that at the end. But of course, you want to hear the whole story. All of it is great. She has a great experience. So um, I know you're going to enjoy this episode. Now, before we get into it, let me give a quick shout out to someone who left me an iTunes review. This is D260. And she said, I have found the episodes I have listened to informative and without unnecessary chit chat or filler. She is a good speaker as well, which makes the information easy to follow. I've also thought that all of the guests on the podcast had a lot to add as well. I'm glad I found this podcast and I would recommend it to anyone who is pregnant or thinking of becoming pregnant. Well, thank you so much for that kind review. I especially appreciate the part about the unnecessary chit chat or filler. I try to keep the episodes tight so I'm not wasting your time at all. So I appreciate that. Now, let me give a quick plug to the birth preparation course before we get into the episode. The birth preparation course is my online childbirth education class that will leave you feeling knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Women love this course. I'm so proud of it that I've created it. You can go to ncrcoaching.com forward slash birth hyphen course or ncrcoaching.com forward slash enroll to check out information about the course. The course is a way for me to, of course, provide great childbirth education, but it also helps support the podcast. Um, Right now, I am doing everything with the podcast in terms of recording and editing, and I would really love to be able to get some help with editing the podcast and free up my time so I can do more content and things that are directly in service to pregnant women. So the course is a way to help support that. So if you're thinking about childbirth education, definitely check out the birth preparation course. All right, so let's listen to Jordan share her birth experience. You will hear her baby crying in the background at some point, but I want to assure you her husband is there. So it's not like she's leaving her baby crying to record. And at one point she hops in the car at the end just to kind of get away from from the noise. So you may hear that a little bit. You'll hear that sound. So um, don't be surprised when you hear that. Okay, without further ado, let's get into the episode with Jordan. Hey, Jordan, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. I'm super excited to have you here today. Well, thank you, Nicole. I'm very excited and honored to be on your podcast. I've been looking forward to it and talking it up with my friends and family for the past month. (laughs) Yeah, so... (laughs) Everyone's excited to listen. Awesome. Well, why don't we have you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family? Yes. Well, I am born and raised in Lincoln, Nebraska. I am 23 years old. 
My husband is 24. Oh um, my God, I'm Jordan, a- you're making me feel like I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. Yes, I've heard that. But yeah, we got married about one and a half years ago. Um, I'm a pediatric dental assistant here in town, and my husband is a plumber. We are very busy and with those types of things. I bet. But our son, Jax, he is eight months old. So we had him around the time of our first anniversary, which was very special to us. And yeah, it was great. So yeah, that's just a little bit about us. Um, We went to high school together and we dated in high school and we've been together ever since. Oh, that is awesome. Really sweet story. Yes. Thank you. So let's talk about the birth of baby Jax. Um, so let's, yes. we, in order to understand your birth, I think we always got to talk a little bit about what the pregnancy is like, because that definitely influences your birth experience. So what was your pregnancy and your prenatal care like? Okay, yes, I found out I was pregnant at the end of December around Christmas time. And we kind of went back and forth with telling our family then that we were pregnant or not because I had just found out and you know you're always careful do you say something in the beginning in case something does happen or do you just you know keep quiet keep it to yourselves you know if something does happen then not a lot of people know right but we decided to tell them about the first of January like on New Year's Day New Year's Eve and my pregnancy was great. It was not hard at all. It was pretty routine. You know, I got the morning sickness. Mm -hmm. Um, I did take some medicine to help with that, which it really helped me. And I was very grateful for that because there were a lot of mornings, afternoons, even evenings that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be sick. I need to be near a bathroom. (laughs) Morning sickness (laughs) is such a myth to call it morning sickness because it can definitely be all day sickness. Yes. And so that was very you know, okay, let's get this under control and I'll be good to go. So that was kind of my first trimester. But after that, everything went as planned. I went to all my regular checks, you know, met with my doctor. Yes, it was. I didn't have any troubles or anything like that. So I was very fortunate. Good. And you saw a physician for your prenatal care? I did. Yes, I did. And did you feel like supported and happy with the prenatal care you received? Yes, I loved it. I love um, my doctor's name's Dr. Friesen. He did a great job um, caring for me and baby Jacks and helping my husband, you know, be a part of it too. I think that's very important. My mm-hmm. husband tried to come to as many appointments um, as he could. And that was great. And, you know, you're just, everyone's excited. Right. Everyone wants to be a part of the experience of all the milestones of the kicks and you know you hear the heartbeat and you you know do an ultrasound Uh like that was all fun and we really enjoyed that yes so it sounds like you had a nice easy peasy pregnancy you got past the morning sicknesses got past Mm -hmm. the morning sickness you were happy with your doctor and everything was good yes exactly that's that's what we love to hear that's awesome (laughs) yes so when it came time as you're getting ready you're getting close and getting prepared for your baby's birth what types of things did you do to prepare if anything well my husband and I are very organized and we are planners so 
we were like, okay, you know, we need to get the room painted uh-huh. and we need to make sure, you know, we wanted a rocking chair and we wanted the crib and we wanted a nice big dresser and we wanted it all to match. Right. <laughs> and so to us, that was, you know, real important that we had to have a theme for the room. Okay. So getting things ready that way for him were great. Um, as for myself and the birth, um, we didn't really do anything. We did not do any Lamaze classes or anything like that. Um, I just kind of felt like whatever happens is going to happen. Okay. Um, I, you know, could go through these classes and prepare as much as I can, but you don't really know what it's going to be like until right. you're in it, right. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> you, you can't look back and it's kind of hard to remember some of the things people even, you know, tell you for right. advice, but we just turn to a lot of our family and friends that have had kids and multiple kids and, you know, say, well, you know, kind of tell me what worked for you or what should we do or mm-hmm. not do. Mm-hmm. And so that was very helpful to us. And I, I liked going that route. Okay. Okay. Did you read any books or anything? Yes, we did. We read the classic, What to Expect When You're uh-huh. Expecting. Yeah. And then our pediatrician gave us a book. It was like maybe Baby 411. I haven't heard of that one. That's a new one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See exactly what it's called. But they gave it to us and it was actually really helpful because it has, you know, before baby, when you have baby, stuff like that. Yes, baby 411. Gotcha. Now, this is one thing that I talk about. Every woman has a different level of how, you know, she likes to prepare. And Jordan took a more laid back approach, which is totally fine. You know, some people talk to friends, family, they read a couple books. I do think you need to do something to prepare. You know, even if you don't take an official like childbirth class, I think everybody will naturally kind of think about ways to you're going to ask questions and want to know what's going on so and you probably also felt better because you had a good relationship with your physician that maybe you didn't feel like you needed to do like the whole full court press yeah for sure and I you know googled a lot of stuff (laughs) I was always you know is this okay for me to eat oh that that was kind of a funny feeling what was that let's you know look that up but I mean, you know, nowadays, that's just our world with technology and the internet, you know, so that's readily available. So that was nice as well. Okay. Expecting parents who are looking for great nursery decor, this message is for you. As you prepare for the beautiful journey ahead, let Home Threads be your partner in creating a serene nest for your growing family. At HomeThreads.com, explore a collection designed for comfort and style during this special time. From cozy nursery essentials to soothing rocking chairs, Home Threads has everything to create the perfect home for your little one and always at the best value. If you like unique items, then you definitely need to check out Home Threads. We got a silver picture frame from Home Threads that is absolutely beautiful. It's one of those timeless classic items that will last for years to come and it fits in any space in your home. Be sure to visit homethreads.com forward slash Dr. Nicole today and receive a code for 15% off your first order. Home Threads, love where you live. So what 
was your birth like? Take us through the whole thing from the first moment of labor to when your baby was born. Okay. Yes. Well, um, it was a Friday and I do not work on Fridays. So a lot of my appointments were scheduled on Fridays and I'm an early bird. So I wanted to go in the morning and I went to doctor's office for a check. I was 37 weeks in about four or five days along. And the week before I was already dilated two centimeters and I was about 70% effaced. Okay. Well, then this Friday that I, we, it all started, I went to my check, I was still two centimeters. And I was about like 75% effaced, he said. So he was like, you know what, I'll be surprised if you don't have this baby within the next week. So I was like, okay, I need to, you know, (laughs) this is crunch time. I need to go to Target. I need to, you know, get all the last minute things that we need since he'll be here any minute. That's how I kind of took it as, you know, and how we wanted to be prepared. So I did some shopping after my appointment and my grandparents invited me over to their house because my grandma's like, you know, um, why don't you come over and hang out with grandpa and I until Josh gets home? Okay. You know, I I wouldn't want anything to happen. And I kind of laughed and I'm like, it's okay, grandma. I'm fine. You know, no big deal. Right. So I went out and hung out with them till maybe about like 3.30 in the afternoon. And I got home and I was pulling into my garage and I step out of my car mm-hmm. and my water broke. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> but in that moment, I was not sure. I right. was like, okay, I could have easily just peed my pants, right. you know. Was I, it like a big, the classic big gush or was it a little no, bit? No, okay. it was just a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so I was just, I kind of stepped out of the car and I'm like, huh. Okay, that was a little weird. So I walk into the house and I'm going in the bathroom to kind of like clean up. And then it happens again. About two minutes later, I feel another gush. Mm. And I'm like, okay, well, I better call the doctor's office and call my husband and just let everyone know that, you know, I think maybe my water broke. Right. So I called the doctor's office. They said, yeah, why don't you head to the hospital? At least get checked, you know. And so I called my husband to come home. And my dad actually doesn't work very far away from our house. So he was actually the first one here to at least be with me in case I started not to feel well. But, you know, remembering back to that day, I didn't feel horrible. Um, I had a lot of back pain, though. I remember. So I didn't ever feel like I was having contractions. I just felt very uncomfortable in my back. I just felt like I needed to sit down or lay down and take a little bit of a nap. Gotcha. So about four o'clock, my husband got home and we hopped in the truck and headed to the hospital. I had all our bags packed and ready to go in case we needed to stay. Mm -hmm. So we went upstairs, got all checked in, and as they're taking me to the room to check me to see what was going on, I passed doctor, and he looks at me and he goes, what are you doing here? (laughs) And I'm like, well, we might be having a baby today, (laughs) sooner than next week, so I always thought that was kind of funny. That is funny. Yeah, they checked me out, and as you know, it takes a little while, Mm -hmm. you know, when you're in there, and 
checking everything and they got me all hooked up to all kinds of monitors checking on the baby and they checked the fluid to see if it you know my water had broken everything and they said that it did so they were like are you ready to have a baby and I'm like of course bring it on (laughs) so then I got admitted and everything and settled into a room. Okay. And that was probably about like 7.30. So that took a little while. Oh, it did take a while. Yeah. And so I was just kind of happy. Okay, I don't need to go home and deal with this. Because right. now I was starting to really not feel the best. I was just like, okay, something is going on. Right. <laughs> and so they got me all hooked up you know, to the monitors and stuff in there that got an IV going. And um, who was, I was, who was up with you? My husband, Josh. Okay. Yes, okay. he was with me. Um, my dad did meet us at the hospital. And then my mom and my sister came and met him there since they were coming home from work and school. So okay. they came and they were in the room when we got to our delivery room oh, okay. and got settled in there. And then okay. Josh's mom my mother-in-law she met us in there too so that was nice that everyone came for a little support and stuff okay but they got me hooked up to some pitocin I had a drip going to get the contraction started okay yeah you know more intense and Mm -hmm. all that Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that was you know really good and I just labored through the whole night. I got an epidural, and that is exactly what I wanted. I knew I wanted that from the beginning. Nothing I had wrong a great with that at all. Yeah, <laughs> I had a great experience with that. I barely felt it. Okay. I had a great anesthesiologist who did it, and so that was very nice. At what point in your labor did you get the epidural? Yes, I got that at three centimeters. Okay. So I hadn't progressed that much compared to when I went in, but he was on the floor and they were going to go in for a C-section. So he's like, I can come and do it now. And I was like, yes, please. Okay. (laughs) I will take that now. Yeah. And about what time was that? That was probably about 1030 in the evening. Yeah. So wasn't too long after I got in there, but... Gotcha. Yeah, I was definitely feeling it at yeah. that point. They yeah. were the contractions were getting a lot more intense and it was getting a lot more uncomfortable just laying there. You know, I felt like I needed a little something. Right. And I hope every woman listening knows that this is perfectly fine. Jordan is, was obviously very clear. I want an epidural and I'm going to get it when I'm ready. That is great. <laughs> so yes. be comfortable with whatever it is that works for you. Yes. And luckily, all the nurses and the doctors that I was working with, they were all fine with that. So I never felt, you know, oh, should I not do that? You know, stuff like that. I could see where people could easily, you know, get talked into it or out of it or, you know, and it's like, just go with how you're feeling and what you want to experience if you can help it. You exactly. Know. Yeah. Yeah. And did you yeah. feel like you had good support from the nursing staff at the hospital and everything? Yes, I did. They were all very good to me. And I was actually, I loved the nurse that I had when I was laboring through the night and uh-huh. she actually needed to leave and go home when I was about ready to have Jack. So that right. was really sad. I Aww. was like, oh, <laughs> we had a great 12 hours. Right. Yeah, right. But, right. <laughs> yeah, that was sad. But yeah. it was a very good relationship that everyone 
there had with each other and with the patients. Well, I never good. felt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then with after you get after you got the epidural, did you just kind of hang out and relax? Did you get some sleep? What'd you do? Yeah, I felt a lot more at ease. Um, I was talking a lot more, being a lot more myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I was like, you know, I better start thinking about yeah, trying to go to bed, take even a little nap and mm-hmm. stuff. And so I tried to, but they also gave me um one of those peanut balls to oh, put in between yeah. my legs. Yeah. Oh, tell us about the peanut ball. <laughs> yes. Oh, the peanut I know ball all about is it. Awesome. But... Yeah, I bet <laughs> you've probably seen a lot of them. That was yep. my first one. Um, you know, just like a big exercise ball that almost looks like a weight. It yep. dips in the middle, and that's where you put it in between your legs and it helps progress labor along kind of yeah as far as as we know it's it looks exactly like a big like a big peanut it's pretty big and as far as we know it helps open up your pelvis because when you have an epidural you're not moving around as much to kind of move the baby around so keeping that big ball in there like helps keep your pelvis open and make space for the baby to move so it works great yes so that it was very annoying from my standpoint because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like every time I had to move just an inch it was like okay we have to move peanut too right. you know you right. couldn't do anything <laughs> right. without getting him in a different position so how so, long did you have the peanut ball uh since until I was like inactive like going to have Jack's label. oh you had it a long time yes and they would not let me rest from it which I thought was weird I just kept saying you know this is a little uncomfortable right like can I just maybe sleep for a little bit and when I wake up do it and they're like well you can but we'd really not like you to do that and so I was like okay Okay. (laughs) you know (laughs) I guess but yeah so it made that that made it very hard to sleep in my opinion I'm sure because then I just couldn't weird position yes I just couldn't quite get comfortable um, so yeah, we had some fun with peanut ball and Josh and I joked around that when Jax was born, we were going to name him peanut because we had the peanut ball right <laughs> with us until he was here. So that's always a good little memory. Right. But, um, with the epidural, you know, you can't really feel anything from mm-hmm. below mm-hmm. your waist. And so I couldn't feel any of my contractions anymore, which was great. But I also kind of missed it in a way because I'm like, okay, you know, what's going on? Right. Well, um, Josh was great at, you know, helping and being involved in everything. And he would always look on the monitor and he'd say, you're having a contraction right now. Do you feel anything? And I'm like, no, no, I don't. (laughs) Just feel fine and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was very happy that I had that and okay. that support and yeah. my parents and stayed most into the night you okay, know that's with what me. I was gonna ask who yeah. stayed with you during the night yeah yes my husband stayed right by me in a chair and my mom slept in a like a pull-out bed okay. that was in there and my dad and my sister stayed for a while too and then they headed home and my mom met them at home later gotcha. but um other than that yeah that was just kind of the night very uneventful okay. and then about you know 6 45 right before the nurses were ready to change mm-hmm. she checked me one last time and I was 10 centimeters dilated all right so we were ready to go and um 
or that was at 745, okay. I think, excuse me. Yeah, because okay. then Jax was born really quick after okay. I was checked. He was born at 810 in the morning. Oh, so you didn't put, well, let me back up a little bit. Did you see your doctor at all during the night? <sighs> no. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. It's really no. your nurse who is there with you for yes. the vast majority of your labor. Your doctor is kind of in and out. Um, and, and may not be there except a couple times yes yes and you know now that you're saying that I'm like yeah I totally forgot that because in the beginning Josh and I thought that was very weird we're like you know why isn't the doctor really checking up on you like we would hear you know oh the doctor said you know good we're gonna keep doing this okay but it was always the nurse relaying it uh -huh. you know yep um but yeah, and I didn't, Dawkinson didn't get to deliver Jax. Um, it was just one of the on-call doctors okay. from um, my group that I go to okay. that did. So I just, yeah, saw him when I was pushing for, yeah, just a few minutes. Yeah, so. I think a lot of people don't realize, yeah, the doctor is, it's really your labor nurse who's with you at your bedside and the doctor may be in and out, especially overnight. They may be at home, honestly. Uh, and they're just talking to the, the nurse over the phone and then they come in when it's close to delivery or the one called call doctor may be there, but they may be sleeping just because they've been up all day in the office. So um, even if they're in the hospital, they may not, it's likely that they're not going to be in the room. That's just kind of the way, you know, labor. And it works. is. Yeah. 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 And that did kind of surprise us because I didn't really think about it or, mm -hmm. you know, I wasn't sure really how it went, but I right. was like, Oh, okay. That, you know, works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So once you found out you were completely dilated and uh -huh. then um, I guess the nurses had to do changes, shift and all that stuff. Uh -huh. And so what was pushing like for you? It was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Okay. Um, probably because of my epidural, but I felt just a lot of pressure uh -huh. when I needed to push and uh -huh. when I was pushing. Okay. Um, other than that, I mean, it wasn't bad at all. I held my husband's hand I often told the doctor and the nurses when I needed to push because you know they like you to you know take a breather and a lot of times I was like no I just need to go again I can right. feel it I right. just want to keep going Got you it. know right right um, I tried to just <laughs> use everything I had to keep you know pushing and to get him out you know I didn't uh -huh. want to be pushing a long time so right. I just used every ounce of energy that I could muster <laughs> to do that. And so it, it just did not take long at all. Okay. So about uh, like maybe 30 like, minutes. I was going to say 30 minutes yes. or so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was not, not bad at all. I thought. Yeah. Now, did you want to do anything like look and see why you were pushing, like watch while you no. were pushing or anything yeah, like that? No, I didn't want to. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Yeah. Some people do. Some people actually, I actually I find that more women don't want to watch. Actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I get that. It, um, I feel like it might've distracted me a bit. Okay. <laughs> you know, I was like, you know what? I think I need to just focus on my job here gotcha. and <laughs> gotcha. make sure. Yeah. Right. right. So, like I, I yeah. offer women a mirror, but most of the time yeah. people don't want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. When they said that, I kind of like looked at them and I'm like, Oh, what's that one? And she's like, Oh, if you want to look, I'm like, Oh no, that's all right. right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 
So then when he comes out, um, did they bring him right up on your skin? Yes, yes, they did. They put him right on my chest and we did the skin to skin contact for uh-huh. an hour. Oh, before. wow. Yeah, they just kind of quickly checked him out. And I just remember, you know, when he did come out, I was just like, I just want to hear him cry, right. you know, then I'll be fine. Right. But before that, I was like, okay, are they gonna, you know, take him and check him first? Or, you know, I wasn't sure how that was gonna go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they just checked him real quick and held him up for me. And then they kind of put him in his blanket and put him on my chest. Uh-huh. And they kind of cleaned him up while he was on me. But you know, that's good. Um, yeah, it was really good. And so that hour was awesome. And I felt like that was really important. It is important. Um, yeah. yeah. And you know, we just kind of got to, you know, know each other. Yeah. And it was just a great yeah moment. And Absolutely. then after yeah, then the doctors, you know, came in and they did a full check and got him really wiped down good and stuff like that. So that okay. was good, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Did you, do you remember if you did delayed cord clamping where they waited to cut the cord at all? Um, no. Okay. No, okay. they did not. And Josh um, wanted to cut the cord. So he did that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and that's one thing I I, I do. We should start doing more. Delay cord clamping is when we wait to cut the cord for 30 seconds at least. And it gives the babies a little bit of boost at the end. There's starting to be some more research. Maybe it's not as beneficial as we thought, but in general, we like to wait to cut the cord. So I'm curious as to how common that is. And doesn't sound like it happened in your, I don't want you to feel like you missed out on anything or anything no, like that. But. No, well, I, you know, I mean, it wasn't like right away, right away. Like he was already on my chest when Josh cut the cord. Gotcha. Okay. So maybe, so maybe they did. It was. And you just, uh, if, yeah. Yeah. If that's yeah. all the 30 seconds. I yeah, wonder it's, it's if not it long. was. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's quite possible mm-hmm. that, they did, that they did. Cause most often if they do skin to skin, they'll do delayed corn cord clamping too so maybe okay. they did and you just didn't didn't realize yeah, it. yeah. probably not yeah. Okay. yeah okay and then did you have to get any stitches or anything afterwards yes I did I had ooh, would it be like a level two tear? a second second degree or second degree uh-huh. yes yeah that's okay. what I had so kind of in the middle um, yeah, yes like, that's very okay. common so they're first okay. second third and fourth and um for, like first being the most minor, fourth being the worst, and first and second mm-hmm. are very common. Yes. Yeah, I had that, which I was very grateful for the epidural during that. Oh, sure. That was a lot of <laughs> <laughs> pushing and tugging and, right. you know, stuff like that. But I remember the doctor telling me, you know, I'm going to have to cut a little bit. He's right here, but I'm just going to have to cut a little bit to help him out. So, Oh, so they did, your figured. doctor did? Oh, interesting. That's an episiotomy, actually. Yes. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what what was his rationale for? He just said that he just felt like he needed to cut an episiotomy. Yes, he just kind of said that Jax's head was right there, uh-huh. and that I was pushing great and everything, uh-huh. but maybe it was going a little too low, or you know, he just wasn't in the right. <laughs> line to go straight out so they needed to just make that little cut to help him out a little bit because then right after he did that I literally pushed like one and a half times and then he was out so okay and he did discuss it with you before he um cut anything 
Um, real briefly, he just said, this is what I'm going to do. It shouldn't be bad at all. It's very common. Um, and then he practically said it is necessary in order to get jacks out. So I was like, okay, do whatever you need to do. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, I obviously I can't second guess your experience or why he said yeah. that, you know, what happened. Um, episiotomy is not not as common as um, it used to be for sure. So, but again, you know, I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly what, what was what. Hey, so you made it this far in the episode and I'm thinking it's because you enjoyed this podcast. Well, if that's the case, then I have a favor to ask. Creating and producing the All About Pregnancy and Birth podcast has been one of the greatest joys of my life. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you on this journey with me. Your support and engagement means the world to me, and it's what helps keep this podcast going. But here's the thing. Producing a podcast involves time, effort, and resources from recording equipment to an editor, hosting fees, coordinating guests, countless hours spent researching and crafting content. It all adds up. And that's where I could use your support. I've never wanted to turn all about pregnancy and birth into a paywall. I want it to remain accessible to everyone. That's why I've set up a way for you to support the show financially if you're able and willing. If this podcast has helped you during your pregnancy, your birth, or your life, I'm asking you to consider contributing to the show. Your support will help cover production and team costs and ensure that I can continue delivering the episodes you love. So in the month of March, head to drnicolerankins.com forward slash support and contribute whatever you can. Your support, no matter how big or small, makes a significant impact. It helps us continue delivering high quality content and ensures the future of all about pregnancy and birth. Again, that's drnicolerankins.com forward slash support. Thank you so much for being part of the All About Pregnancy and Birth community. Now back to the show. So you had stitches afterwards. And then um, how do you feel like your recovery was? My recovery was really good um, physically. It, I mean, everything hurts for, you know, a couple weeks but I mean even the day we went home from the hospital my husband and I ran a couple errands because we were like okay we I did not breastfeed I formula fed did you make that decision ahead of time that that's what you were going to do yes yeah Josh and I talked about it um it wasn't anything that I was super Uh, like drawn to the idea of breastfeeding I didn't feel like I really needed to do it or I was gonna be super passionate about it I felt like in order for me to be happy and for everyone to maybe help out when the baby came that he would be on formula and I just felt like that was the best option for everyone you know going into it and I'm like you know maybe when I have him it'll I don't know, be different, but it really wasn't. I think my mind was set up and I didn't want to try it if I wasn't going to be a hundred percent into it. So, and how did you feel like in terms of the support from the nursing staff and the physicians about that decision? Very, very well. That went over very well with Dr. Fizin, with Jax's pediatrician. Um, I told them that from the beginning and they go, yeah, that is perfectly fine. If you know you want to do it, we will not 
hound you about it. We will okay. not give you information about it. Right. Um, you know, if your mind's already made up and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So no, that was, that was very good. And I was nervous about that. I have heard a lot of things where women have said they wanted to formula feed right mm-hmm. away and then mm-hmm. they might've kind of got pressured into breastfeeding and then it was just really bad mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Right. And I just didn't want that, you know, and it worked out well for us and for our family. I wouldn't have done it any different. So, okay. okay. Yeah. Well, that's good that you felt supported in your decision. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Okay. So you get home and what were things like when you got home? When I got home, um, everything was good. I mean, I still felt like I was on that high of Jack's just being born. Nothing mm-hmm. really got to me or anything like that. My husband was a great help. So were my parents and my sister and my mother-in-law. They all, you know, came over and spent the days with us, kind of just helping us get into our new routine. Right. That's great that you had that support. A lot of people don't have that. Yeah. Yeah. I was very fortunate to have them. They all live in town. So it's really easy to (laughs) call Mm -hmm. on them and say, hey, you know, can you come over here and look at this? Or what do I do? Or, (laughs) you know, so yeah, that was really nice. Um, But I did experience baby blues okay. once I got home. Tell us it was, about that. What, what yeah, was that it one? was not right away. Okay. Um, it was probably about like five days after I got home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're in the thick of it and right. it just all of a sudden hit me. I remember as a Saturday morning because mm-hmm. Josh was home from work and I just like got up out of bed and I started to like cry and I was like, I don't know why I'm crying. I felt very overwhelmed, Mm. but not like I couldn't do it or didn't want to keep doing it. It wasn't that bad. It was just, this is a lot. Right. You know, I knew it was going to be a lot, but this is a lot. And no one can prepare you for that. No one can. Like you just can't, I, I, you know, I'm an OBGYN for God's sakes. And I had no idea. You just cannot be prepared yes. for what it's like to have this human that you're responsible right. for. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, you know, I, my body went through something amazing, mm-hmm. but very traumatizing to my body is what, well. you know, sure. I'm recovering, I'm, right. you know, and when you're not getting any sleep, yep you know, that doesn't help either. So it's like, and I'm the type of person that I need at least eight hours. Otherwise I'm going to be grouchy. Okay. I'm going to not enjoy the day. Right. Like, I like my sleep. <laughs> right. I, you know, want it. So that was very much an adjustment for me Okay. in terms of that. But I felt with my baby blues, I mean, I had it for about a couple of weeks And every day I just tried to work through it as best that I could. You know, Mm -hmm. some days it really hit me, others it didn't. And I had never felt anything like that before. It was very shocking and different for me. So I was terrified. Mm. What were you, what were you terrified about that was going to happen? Well, I was just terrified of how I felt. Mm. Okay. I never felt that way before. Um, I was not educated well at all about 
the postpartum baby blues and depression. You know, we all hear about the postpartum depression that a lot of women face, you know, and that it is real and it is scary. But I feel like no one talks about the baby blues. That's that true. Are, you very know, common. It's, it's very almost taboo to talk about it, maybe, or maybe people don't want to. Right. Right. Um, so did you talk be... to anybody about it? Like, what did you do? To... Yeah, I talked to my mom about it and my dad and my husband, and they were all very responsive to it. Um, and then my parents' neighbor, she is a postpartum nurse at the hospital that we were at. Mm-hmm. So I went and talked to her. Oh, I was nice. like, okay. you know, you would know this. She had three kids, now four of her own. And she went through the baby blues, too. And so one day when I was over at my parents, she just came over and, you know, we talked about it. And she goes, you know, I see that, you know, you're not depressed. You're getting up. You're getting yourself ready. But, you know, I know that you are, you know, crying when you get home or, you know, just everything kind of feels overwhelming a lot of times. Right. stuff like that and she goes and that's very normal it's a lot of your hormones that have been skyrocketing for the past nine months all of a sudden plummeting right and so I felt like I was not very informed about that but when I did you know talk to her about it and stuff I felt a lot better I felt like okay this is okay. This will pass. Exactly. Then do you feel like, did your pediatrician, like, cause you see your pediatrician, you don't see your OB doctor for six weeks, which is something that we need yes. to change. But did your yes. pediatrician do any kind of depression screening or ask how you were doing or anything like that? Yes, they did at every appointment. And about the first two, like uh, Josh went with me to the very first appointment that we had, you know, just like the day after we went home and that was fine. And then I went to my one-week appointment by myself. Josh was back to work, and that was fun. But I went to the next appointment, might have been at three weeks, and I just remember crying. Mm. I was like to him. I was like, you know, I'm kind of going through the baby blues, and I'm like, I feel... Like I can talk about it and I want to talk about it and right. be proactive about it. Right. But I wasn't quite sure who to talk to. Okay. You know, the pediatrician was giving me the questions, right. but I was kind of concerned at why I, yeah, wasn't seen or getting these questions from doctor's office. Right. You know, I'm like, right. I feel like maybe that's who I need to be talking to. Right. You right. know, so I did call them. And say, you know, hey, this is going on. This is kind of how I'm feeling. I'm not real sure, you know, if maybe I need to be seen or whatever. And the nurse, you know, barely even talked to me about it and then wrote me a prescription for antidepressants. Wow. That's kind of. Yes. That's disappointing. I was. And then I really kind of flew off the handle I was very upset then at that I was like no that's not what I'm saying I'm just saying I'm trying to talk to a professional about this however no one is helping me I felt like in the you know community 
you know, as far as my doctors and Jax's doctors and stuff. And I was like, I don't think there's a problem. I don't want to hurt myself. I don't want to hurt my son. I just don't feel like myself and quite right, you know. Right. And did they say like, come in for a visit or did your pediatrician, did your pediatrician's office just say, call your OB doctor? Is that what happened? And then. Well, I called my OB doctor first and okay. then I had the appointment Okay, and I was really mad that I got those, you know, that prescription because I did not want that. Right. I did not feel that's what I needed. Right. Um, so then I did ask the pediatrician and I was like, can you help me or give me, point me in the right direction? Can I just, you know, mm-hmm. anything here? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so he said, Um, He gave me, like, the name of, like, some postpartum, like, family, like, therapist. Mm -hmm. And then I also felt like, well, that's not what I need either. I just felt like I needed What do you feel like you you needed? I felt like I needed to just talk to my doctor. Okay. Okay. To my OB. Right. I just needed to hear that this is normal. Right. It's okay. It will pass. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it let's um I needed some ideas of what to do when I did feel those lows like um one thing that my parents neighbors she did share with me is when you start feeling like that and you're almost you know kind of feeling suffocated by it she said you need to go and lay down you need to sleep you need to take a nap so the the nurse said one of the things you can do is just get some sleep when you need sleep yes and you know just try to you know, let your body heal. Cause I still just needed that. Mm. I felt like, you know, gotcha. and so that, that really helped. I, when I started to feel like it was, you know, kind of getting to me, I would give Josh the baby or, you know, we'd call my parents to come over and say, Hey, can you come, you know, over for a little bit? I'm going to try to lay down, you know, and that was very helpful. Okay. And then you feel like after a couple weeks, things got better. Yes, very much so. I start, everything became easier. We got into our routine, um, which was very helpful for me since I, you know, like being in a routine and knowing what's going to happen. Right. So that was very comforting to me and made everything okay. Okay. Um, So you got to your six week checkup and you talked about it. Yep. And I told him that I was, you know, upset that I got the medicine and I just kind of wanted to talk, but that that wasn't an option to me. Mm, And what did he say? And, and he was just like, Oh, you know, I'm sorry about that. However, we do that in case people are really not feeling well and that they need like some medicine and stuff. And now we want to get that to them. So, you know, things don't spiral out of control, right. which, okay, I understand, but I wish I would have been given some guidelines or maybe even asked some questions first. Gotcha. Yeah. Before, before, before you're just given a prescription. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But you know, that's just me and that's how, how I felt. Right. You no, know, it I, needed to be. Yeah. I think what you're saying is very, is perfectly reasonable. Baby, you're, you're describing classic baby blues. It's the first two or three weeks and then it gets better. 
And a lot of times it just takes support to get through things um, and not, yes. you know, you don't necessarily need to start a medication right away. Maybe you do just need to talk. And it's one of the things that our organization, our national organization for OBGYNs are working on that we should touch bases with women sooner just to see how they're doing and provide support. Yes, I I agree. I felt like that would have really helped me and that could really help a lot of people, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm probably not the first one and probably not the last one that is going to have absolutely you know it's very those difficulties right yeah right so then do you feel like after that time things since then have gone okay yes very much so everything has gotten just to be back to normal except you know we have a little bit of a new normal and okay that's okay <laughs> yes. yeah that's what there's we definitely a new normal after you have a baby <laughs> yes yeah that yeah. is for sure yeah. yeah yeah well good 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 you have shared a lot of great um information today I think that a, a lot of women may be surprised to hear things like someone chose formula and you were totally okay with that Mm-hmm. you went for the epidural which is perfectly reasonable you know you it, mm-hmm. I'm just I guess I'm sort of like um, feeling you were very confident in your choices and I hope that the yes. people listening will take away the same thing that y- you can feel confident there, there's no right way to give birth and you should feel confident in the choices that you make for yourself yes I completely agree because you know at the end of the day you're the one that has to live with that decision and does it work for your family is it comfortable for you does it make sense for you you know and every yeah everyone's life everyone's lifestyle is different you know so yeah for sure absolutely so what looking back on things is there anything you wish you knew beforehand well obviously the the postpartum blues part but yeah anything else that kind of stands out oh let's see here not really i mean I knew I was going to be tired and I knew we'd be getting up at nights, but I mean, I don't know. I just think it didn't all necessarily go as planned, but as much as planned it could have gone, I felt like it went. So I didn't really have too many, you know, surprises or things I would have wished I would have knew know more about. Gotcha. But, but definitely it sounds like you wish you would have been more prepared for the postpartum blues and what could happen okay yes and I feel like I could be a big advocate for that you know if anyone's ever you know feeling that way or has questions about it I'd be so happy to talk to someone about it you know I don't want to hide it or think that it didn't happen or it's better than me or not you know it's just like no it's yeah real and it happens right I feel like it happens to a lot of people when I started talking about it, you know, then a lot of people were like, you know, I did go through that. Right. Thinking back, you know, I didn't quite feel myself, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it's definitely helpful for me to hear because I been on the other side where I was at OBGYN and I didn't touch bases with women until six weeks mm -hmm. after delivery and we need to do better. Yes. Yeah. And I think that would just help everyone. Yeah. Especially for first time moms. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Now that I know you know, with, you know, if I have a second kid and stuff like that, I know what to expect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So just to wrap up, what is one thing that you would tell other women as they get ready for birth? What is like your one favorite piece of advice? My favorite piece of advice would be don't be scared. 
It's mm. going to happen. <laughs> it's coming for you, whether right. you like it or not. Right. Um, it's hard to not feel scared, but don't. You know, it's all going to end up how it should be. And even if it's not how you think it is, you know, it's God's way. It's your baby's way. I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. So where can Thank women, you. yeah, where can women connect with you if they're interested in connecting with you outside? You can, if you don't have any place to connect, that's fine. But if they're, where no, can women I would love you? that. Yeah. I would, yeah, totally love that. You can connect with me on Facebook, Jordan Borzakowski, um, or on Instagram, I think my platform is J Borzy. That'd be J B O R Z E. And people can send me a message and I'd be happy to get back with them or talk with them, you know, through right. anything or awesome. just anything, baby. Yeah. yeah and I guys, love it. I will link to those things in the show notes. So you can just click from the show notes and, and connect with Jordan if you want to. She's obviously very open and willing to help with some of the issues you know that you can may face after having a baby so thank you so much for that jordan yes of course and thank you for having me i feel so honored i I really appreciate your time this was a i think a super helpful conversation and uh, i really enjoyed it thank you same here yeah well you take care and i will talk to you later you too. Thank okay. you, Dr. Rankins. Oh, oh Nicole yes. is fine. I'm only doctor oh. in the hospital. <laughs> okay, that's fine. It never works, right? Yeah, yes. Exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, you take care. Thank you. Okay, you right. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. So that's it. Wasn't that great? And don't you love her voice and her accent? Well, you know, at the end of every episode where I have a guest on, I do something called Nicole's Notes, where I talk about my top three or four takeaways from the episode. So here are the notes for this episode with Jordan. Number one, Jordan didn't do a childbirth education class to prepare. She did read What to Expect When Expecting, which is a popular pregnancy book. And she kind of had the attitude that whatever is going to happen will happen. Now that worked perfectly fine for her. And that does work fine for a lot of women. But I do want to caution you that when you take that approach, you are taking some chances and it's a possibility that things won't work out. So I think that in order for you to be best prepared for your birth and really get the experience that you want, in addition to reading books, I think a childbirth education class is also a great thing to do. Whether you do it in person at your hospital, through an independent childbirth educator or an online option, I think a childbirth education class is the way to go for most women. All right, number two, I didn't like the part where, and I shouldn't say I didn't like, but it gave me pause, I guess, when she was talking about having the peanut ball and how she was kind of pressured to keep it, even though it was uncomfortable for her. Um, The peanut ball works. It works great. It looks like a big peanut, like I described, and it does help keep your pelvis open to facilitate labor. But if it's uncomfortable and women don't like it, then you should be able to get a break from it for a bit. So if you find that Um, something like this happens where you're feeling pressured to do something. And Jordan, you know, she found her own way to deal with it. So I'm not at all second guessing her choices or saying she made a wrong choice. I'm just saying that you should be able to not do something if you don't want to. And just point out the fact that it's wrong for us to pressure you to do it if it's not something that you want to do. Now, similarly, with the episiotomy, 
I don't know if you could tell when I was talking about it, but it was like, wait, what, huh? What happened? It was making me uncomfortable. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest when she was um, talking about how the doctor just said, well, I'm just going to make a little cut to help the baby come out. That is classic language for doctors cutting an episiotomy that really doesn't need to be cut. And it's done in a, as a means to help speed things up with the delivery. Now, she healed fine from her episiotomy, and most women do, but not all women do. And it carries risk. It can lead to a further tear. It can lead to bleeding, infection. So it really shouldn't be done unless absolutely necessary. And she hadn't pushed that long. She'd only pushed for like 30 minutes at that. So it wasn't like she had been pushing a long time. So it just made me uncomfortable to hear that kind of language being used. It's classic language for trying to rush the delivery. Okay, last thing is Jordan had a happy delivery. She was happy with her experience, but she did have baby blues and baby blues are so common. She gave, gives a very classic description of how baby blues plays out. And one thing that I think she highlighted that's really important is that most of the time you don't need to jump to medication right away. Now, this is not a knock on medication because of course, some women will have depression or anxiety where medication is the right option, but it shouldn't always be the first choice. One thing that helps a lot and that she found that's helped a lot was support. Women need support after having a baby, and that's not something that we do a great job of in our country. Thankfully, Jordan had support from family. She had support from the the postpartum nurse who lived nearby, and she was able to work through it, but not all women have that. And obviously, we do a bad job in the medical system. Waiting to see women until six weeks postpartum is a mistake. Now, the OBGYN specialty is making some effort to change that. Recently, there was uh, something called a committee opinion from ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, that recommended that women be seen within the first three weeks postpartum, or at least have a touch point where you contact women within the first three weeks postpartum. Postpartum, even if we just like did a phone call or touch bases with women in the first couple of weeks, you know, you don't even always have to come in for a visit, just kind of talk and see like, how are you doing? Because as she mentioned, a lot of it was just talking through it. And she wanted to get that reassurance from a medical provider that everything was okay. I think this is especially important for first time moms. So Definitely look for that those places of support. It could be a postpartum support group at your hospital or in your community. It could be a Facebook group for moms that's a support source for you. One thing that I say women should consider is on their baby registry and taking off some of the items like diapers, or you can keep the diapers and stuff on, but also adding like money to help pay for a doula, a doula who can be there during your birth and a postpartum doula. That type of support can be very, very helpful. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. And if you feel inclined, please leave an honest review in iTunes. It helps other women find the show and I may give you a shout out on a future episode. Now, next week on the podcast, I have a pediatrician on who exclusively does in-home care for newborns. It's interesting. She actually used to be a neonatologist. So 
Come on back to hear that great episode next week. And until then, I wish you a healthy and happy pregnancy and birth. Today's episode is brought to you by Women's Wellness Coaching by Dr. Nicole Calloway-Rankins. Head to ncrcoaching.com to check out my free one-hour mini course on how to make your birth plan, as well as my comprehensive online childbirth education class, the Birth Preparation Course. With over eight hours of content and a private course community, the birth preparation course will leave you knowledgeable, prepared, confident, and empowered going into your birth. Head to ncrcoaching.com to learn more.